Christ is the Lamb of God. Christ is the forgiveness. He is the priest. He is the king. And he is forever our hope. Are you in? Greater, Jesus, my sacrifice. So we've been walking through this series for a number of weeks now, just a couple of weeks left. And, and today is actually kind of turning a corner. There's been in chapters 7, 8, 9, and part of 10, there's been all this theology and this truth of the Old Testament and things we need to understand about the sacrifice of Christ. And now today is a huge exclamation point, a call to action. So, so what do I do about all that information? What should that stir in me? That's where we're headed today, all right? So remember, as we've talked, Hebrews is actually a um, kind of a book written by an author to a collection of Jewish people at the time of Christ. They've come to trust Christ as Savior, but in fact, there's a lot of pressures in the world, pressures from their family, pressures from the local Jewish uh, collection of people, wherever they may be, and these pressures pushing down on, beginning to challenge them on, maybe they should step back from Christ. And so this author making it clear, here's who Jesus is is. Here's what's going on. Know that you're in the right spot. You're not hearing the right things when they're telling you Jesus is the wrong place. The Old Testament is but a shadow pointing forward to Jesus Christ. He is the hope. You're in the right place. Like that's really the thunderous statement of the book of Hebrews. The author is saying the Old Testament law points to the hope of the substance of Jesus Christ. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, Amen. So again, I'm your trailer here, just giving you a little bit of understanding of what you'll need to know as we walk through it. And like I said, this is really looking back over chapters 7, 8, 9, and part of 10. So I thought maybe just a quick visual overview. Let's go ahead and throw this picture up. Do you remember when we talked about the tabernacle? And so we were talking about this element that they set up when they were in the wilderness. The Jewish people set this up for 40 years straight. Wherever they were at, they had this set up, right? And so you have the outer fence line there, everything inside that fence considered to be holy, all right? And so as you came to have your sin dealt with, you would come in through that red, as they called it, gate. There's the fabric at the bottom there. You would come in through the red gate and you would come up to the front there. Remember, Jesus said, I am the gate, right? Every facet of this we're going to see fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so they approached the altar there. You can see the altar with the burning flame. And that's where the priests would stand. They would receive the people there. They would take whatever animal sacrifice they had. And they would go ahead and sacrifice the animal. There would be then the blood of the animal used to be able to sprinkle on the people and on the things there just to consider that kind of a cleansing moment, right? And so the blood there at the altar, that's just where you and I, if we were Jewish people, would have stopped. We're done. The priests only could go back from there, right? So the Jewish people would step back away and step out at that point, but the priests would move forward. And you can see that little circular element between the altar and the tent, right? And that was like this basin that they would use to wash in. There was a cleansing or a washing that had to take place before the priest could walk into the tabernacle. So think of words like sprinkled, that's what happened at the altar, and then washed, that's what happened at the basin, as they then stepped inside the tabernacle. And if you remember inside, that was that place where the presence of God was known and experienced. There was actually the curtain up that separated them from the most holy place. They only went in there one person, once per year, the high priest would enter through that 
place. And as that curtain was set back and they stepped inside the very throne room of the glory and presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God beaming down. This is what the Jewish people knew as the presence of God. You came close enough to at least have blood covering you. And then the priests would go forward being washed and entering into the very presence of God, the curtain being the separator. Okay, just good that we remember that because we're going to see those words come up today as we walk through it. And you're going to see how he ties it all together for our privilege and experience today as we approach Jesus Christ. So turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19. Hebrews 10, starting in verse 19. And uh, we'll get going there. Point number one, let us draw near to God in full assurance. Let us draw near to God in full assurance. He starts out, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Okay? So let's just hold right there. He starts out, therefore. And when we see the therefore, we say, yeah, what's the therefore, therefore? It's a connecting word. We've gotten a lot of practice saying that phrase in this book. There's so much where he delivers theology, call to action. Theology, call to action. And so right here, we're now getting a call to action. He's like, because of everything we've just heard about Jesus, because he is the substance, because he is the Lamb of God, the sacrifice, because he is the great high priest who then takes that sacrifice, entered into the throne room presence of the Father in heaven, and offered himself as a sacrifice once for all, once, everybody just say once for all, once for all, Jesus Christ, and as high priest delivering that up once for all, and so he sat down, job done. It is finished. The, the payment finished on the cross, and now the delivery of that payment, the delivery of that sacrifice before the Father as he ascended into the heavens, so he sat down, job done. Because all of that is complete, we now have access. So he says, therefore, brothers, everybody say that's saved. So he's talking to the saved Jewish people here that he's writing to. They believe in Jesus Christ. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, now you got to imagine if you're a Jewish person that you've never been allowed to enter the holy places. That was an area of the temple or an area of the tabernacle when they were wandering in the wilderness that they were not allowed in. Only the priests were allowed there. And he's like, since we have confidence to enter the holy places, Man, I'm telling you, that is a thunderous statement to the Jewish people. Here's what they heard. I can enter into the tabernacle. I can enter into the presence of God himself. He's not a distant God over there that shows his glory over there. And a few have the privilege inside. Anyone trusting in Jesus Christ can enter in. All who are saved. All. Everybody say all. That's who. All who are saved can enter into the presence of the king. He says, enter into the holy places so we can have confidence. We can know it. We can live it. Confidence. We can know it and live it. To enter into the holy places 
those, those limited spots where God revealed his glory and presence to just the priests. And now we have that privilege daily and regularly to enter into the throne room presence of the glory of God for his glory to be beaming off the gold walls on either side as you drop to your knees in prayer. You in the presence of the almighty king, may God get all the glory. He says, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, and we're not entering in because we're brash, harsh, arrogant, expectant. We're entering in because of the blood of Jesus as our hope. It's all because of Jesus. Everybody say it's Jesus. And that's the plan, that's the statement. He says, by the new and living way. Like, let's make it clear, not the old way. Not the externals only way, not the shadow way, not the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, not the old way. Those were but shadows, flat 2D gray images that pointed forward to the substance who is Jesus Christ. But because of this new and living way, man, we got Easter coming up in just a few weeks. You don't want to miss it as we lift this roof off in celebration for Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is alive. And all of God's people said, man, Jesus Christ, amen, man. He is risen. He is living. Jesus Christ, he brings hope. Remember, every animal sacrificed is still dead. There is no power in that. But Jesus Christ alone is our sacrifice who died for us and is now risen alive for us, the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain. And now he gives us a little explanation. That is his flesh. So he gives us a little metaphor statement. He's like, remember the Old Testament shadow, the curtain that was there was reflecting the very body of Jesus Christ that was beaten and whipped and torn and nailed to a cross. And his flesh, as he had lived a perfect life here, was our offering, our spotless lamb to cover our sin. And it ended up at the moment that he cried out at the end, it is finished. And there was this thunderous earthquake that rumbled the place. It rocked the temple and it tore the curtain from top to bottom, opening up access for the first time. Jesus Christ, his broken body, opened up access in the temple or tabernacle. We can come to the king because of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, that's the hope, that's the statement. He's like, since all these things have happened, his curtain being his flesh, we now have access to his glory. It says, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, everybody say, that's Jesus. See Jesus everywhere, right? He's the entrance to the whole area. He's the gate. He's the lamb of God who was sacrificed. He's the one cleansing. He's the one who's offering up. His body is the curtain. And also now he is the great high priest who takes that sacrifice and enters into the presence of God the Father in the heavens. And he handed it to him saying, this for you, this for the people once for all, for all those who would trust in Jesus Christ. 
covering sins that were, that are, and that will be. Jesus Christ, our hope. It says he is a great high priest from the house of God. He is the lamb of God. Yes, he is the sacrifice, but he's so much more. He's the high priest who offered that lamb to the father. He says, now let me give you a command. He says, let us. Now, when we command people, if you ever think about when you command someone, just in your mind, not like right now, turn to your partner, but in your mind, think of a command that you're going to tell someone. Now, imagine you're telling them, say it out loud in your head. Okay, usually what happens with it is it includes the word you. That's what's implied. You, do this, right? Clean up, take the garbage out, open the door, let the dog out, you, right? There's a command of you. This is not the you command. This is the we command. It's let us. That's why it says let us. We may not talk that way very much, but it's a command to the we, to all of us. The author is including himself. He's not saying, hey, readers, you do this. He's saying, hey, readers, you and me, all of us, let's do this. Let us, and now here's the command statement, draw near. Let us draw near. Let us come close. Let us approach the throne. Remember, he just got done saying amazingly thunderous statements to the Jewish people. You can enter the most holy place. Please take advantage of it. Draw near. Be blown away by who your God is. Come close. He says, draw near, approach the very glory of God. The unthinkable is now available to you. Take advantage. And um, you know, if we were to describe what it looks like for us to draw near today, couple of words I'd probably use. This is the moments where we get to drop to our knees and pray to our God, but it's more than him over there. He is present with us. The very presence of the Holy Spirit pouring on you in that quiet moment with your God in prayer. You taking time to open the word and say, Lord, rock me with who you are. And the Holy Spirit convicting of sin and righteousness and judgment. You have the presence of the Holy Spirit with you, moving in you, stirring around you, shaping you, revealing to you that time in prayer, time in the word, time just beholding. Like, what did you learn from the word? Just stopping and going, God, you are so awesome because... And just taking a moment to drink that in deep. Man, make that a part of every day with your God. Time where you're dropping to your knees, where you see the gold walls and the splashing glory of God himself as you take a moment with him. And you open the word and you say, Holy Spirit, I'm ready to hear from you. Reveal what I need to know. Shape me. And then God, you are just so awesome. Lord, I'm beholding you with all I've got. We're literally told that by beholding the glory of the Holy Spirit, that's what transforms our heart, one degree of glory at a time. If you are not beholding, if you are not drawing near, you will find yourself stuck in a lot of different sins that you can't seem to get victory over, that you can't seem to have heart change on. It is an absence of drawing near. It is an absence of being close to your king and letting him be your God. 
He says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with a true heart, genuine, truthful, honest, worshipful. And don't come faking it. Just come to your God saying, Lord, I'm struggling right now and I'm just wanting to be honest with you. You're in charge and so I'm coming because you're in charge. But Lord, I'm wrestling with this or Lord, I'm so celebrating what you've done here, whatever it is, truthful, revealing, Please be careful. I've heard too many people say I'm being truthful with God, but what they actually are being is disrespectful. Part of truthful is recognizing the vastness, perfection, and authority of God himself. Be respectful with God, but be real as you come. Part of the truthful is how much we need to adjust. And all of God's people said, and may we grasp that. Don't come in demanding and commanding as much as you're coming in humbly, respectfully celebrating all that he is. So it's with a true heart uh, and full assurance of faith, full assurance, guaranteed, promised. And so you're leaning on the promise of the king in full assurance of faith. It's the things you've heard from Jesus. So it's the things you believe about Jesus. It's the things you've heard from, and so it's what you believe about. You're clinging to that as you enter in and celebrate all that he is. May God get all the glory. He says, with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with a pure water. Now, remember what we just did at the front end, right, in the trailer. With our hearts sprinkled clean, That's by the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God. Remember, in the Old Testament, the way they approached was sprinkling through the blood of an animal. It's a shadow. Everybody say shadow. But Jesus Christ and his blood covering us, that gives us hope. Sprinkled clean because of the work of Jesus Christ, his sacrifice for us. Our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Our sin, our terrible choices, our wrong actions and motives, all of that covered because of Jesus Christ and his shed blood. Jesus covering us, that's hope. We come because of hope. We come because of what we have in Jesus Christ. It says in our bodies, washed with pure water. Remember, only the priests could go to that water basin. That was not for everybody else, that was the priests stepping up. And he says, washed with the water. Literally, we can be declared priests. In 1 Peter, it says in the New Testament, for all of those who are trusting in Christ, we are a royal priesthood, a holy generation, royal, you, priesthood. You are a member of the family of God, privilege. You have hope in Jesus Christ. As you can trust in him, you are declared a child of God. That is your hope. And you get to step up to the water basin as priest and say, Lord, thank you for washing and cleansing me. I have no right to be here. But because of you, I get to enter into the presence of God. That's what the author is saying. Man, privilege. Our bodies washed with pure water. Man, if we are saved, if we are a royal priesthood, if we are washed and cleansed, may we enjoy and drink deep and draw near. And all of God's people said, you know, it's too easy for us as a church to just turn things into ritual. 
right? And we start making everything just about the ritualistic element. And so I just want to say, I know you maybe have heard the words before, but being with Jesus Christ, trusting him, it's not ritual, it's relationship, right? It's not ritual, it's relationship, connecting with him, being close to him, his glory pouring on. You know, this past week, uh, John and I ended up taking on the privilege of watching uh, my daughter and son-in-law's dog. And uh, so uh, they have a little dog, Kane, who uh, is a sweetheart of a dog. And uh, as we brought him into the house, they actually are away on vacation. This is kind of a vacation week for a number of different people, right? We've got a lot of different people going out last week, this week, or the next with spring break. So they're down in Florida on vacation. So we're watching Kane and uh, this little dog named after a hockey player from the Blackhawks, not after Kane and Abel, <laughs> right? And... Uh, and uh, So uh, we had him over at our house, and he's with us still, just a blast of a dog. And I'm telling you, you sit down on the couch, this little dog runs over, jumps up on the couch, he crawls between my legs, circles around three times, lays down, and then lays his head on my lap, and then he's good for like an hour, just laying with you. And then if I say his name, his ears just kind of roll back, and he's like, we cool? You okay? And then I pet him, and he just crawls up a little closer. After a while, he hears Jonna moving around, so he just jumps off, runs over to her, goes and bees with her for a while. At nights, when we get ready for bed, he jumps up on the bed, crawls up in between, lays down next to her, and curls up and goes to sleep until, of course, I have to get out when it's 35 degrees and take him outside late at night, right? But the reality is he loves to be near. He draws near. If we had the dog in the house and he just went over in the corner, he's like, I know you're there. Like, it's just not the same connection. What? I know that you feed me. It's fine. We're good. And then he just lays in the other room. Not the same thing. Everybody say, not the same thing. May we not be that in our walk with Christ. May we draw near. You have the privilege of coming into the throne room presence of the glory of the almighty God. Draw up close and be blown away. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, amen. So how are you doing at drawing near? How are you doing at coming close in relationship and making it all about him? Point number two, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Again, here's the command, let us, right? And uh, so he's saying it to all. It's a we command, let us. Let us hold fast. This is a phrase that gets used all over scripture, right? We've talked about it. It's like the taking your fist and gripping tight and clinging on and holding with all you've got. Your arm almost shaking. This is holding fast. Cling tight. Don't let go, right? It says hold fast what? To the confession of your hope. Hold fast to the words that came out of your mouth reflecting where your heart was. Lord Jesus, I believe you are risen. I confess you as Lord, you are God of my life. As those words come out, as that confession of your soul and your mouth are worded out, hold on to that. Lord Jesus, I cling to who you are. You are my hope. I believe you are risen and I will not move off of it. You are my God. No one, no thing else comes in the way. You are my king as we cling and hold on to the confession that is Jesus Christ, brings hope. Why cling to him? Because he deals with our yesterday. 
He's healing our today and he's taking us into glory, perfection forever. May God get all the praise forever with Jesus Christ. That's why our hope in him, the confession, I trust in Jesus, of our hope that eternity is managed by him and he is my God. Cling to that truth. He says, without wavering, like solid in your direction, no turning to the left or the right, no giving up, no rising and falling. I'm in and I'm holding on without wavering. It says, for he who promised is faithful. He who promised, everybody say, that's Jesus. Right, God himself, he who promised. God's saying, I'm with you. I've got this. Come with me, hang on. This world is a mess, but I'm fixing it one little bit at a time. Are you with me? Trust in Jesus Christ and all that he's doing. For he who promised is faithful. He will 100% deliver on what he promised, the end. There is never a time where he chooses to not deliver on his promise. God always delivers. He is faithful. Are you in? He says, cling, hold fast. So I tried to think of a couple of little simple illustrates. So let's just put it this way. Like a rock climber on the edge of a cliff. Can you picture the guy? Just holding on, on the edge of a cliff. If you let go, it's not good, right? Cling, like a rock climber on the edge of a cliff. Or here's another one. Like a mother on a busy street corner with her little child. Cling, hold on. Make sure of, protect what you have. Or maybe here's another one for those of you who love to weightlift. Like a deadlifter who's deadlifting the weight and you're halfway up. Hold on, right? Cling, don't let go. Hold on tight. Or for those of you who love March Madness, if you're St. Peter's, <laughs> hold on. Right? They're doing well, and like first time ever that a 15 seed has gotten to an eight seed. Praise God for that. They're down into the elite eight and ready to go after it, and who knows what happens next. And praise God for the fact that we can hold on, cling tight to the fact that Jesus has it all in hand. Your God has it in hand. He is the Lamb of God's sacrifice. He is the high priest who walked it in. He is the king who sits over it all and forever is promised in him. Are you in? Hold on to the confession of your faith. Everybody just say, hold on. So draw near, hold fast. And now point three. Let us consider how we may encourage others. Let us consider how we may encourage others. He says, third one now, and let us, third time. Third command here that's given, not just for you, it's for you and me, the author says, let us. He says, and let us consider, like think intensely on this, purposefully on this, preparing for action on this, consider the following. Are you ready? This is what you're to consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Notice how the front two points have been so vertical, but he's now moving horizontal. How to stir one another up to love and good works. 
A one another's call out is a healthy call out in the church. He's like, we need to stir up, we need to encourage, to motivate, to challenge one another, to love and good works. We are called to love the Lord our God with all we've got, and we are called to love our neighbor as ourself. Man, as God fills up the well of our soul with love, as we reach out to him, it so spills over to the streets and we start caring for others. The healthy church will always be about one another's as a piece of it. But be careful. Too many churches make it only one another's. And now it becomes a club. It is absolutely vertical. God Almighty first. And as that fills up, it spills over and becomes a deep one another's call out. And we go after good works. I just wrote these words down. Good works are measured by both the act and the motive. Good works are measured by both the act and the motive. He's not saying dress it up on the outside and make it look okay. He's saying, man, go after the things that are really good on the outside and motivated from goodness on the inside. That's love and good works, all right? Proper motivation, proper action, God getting all the glory as one another's are brought together. And then he says, how do we go after stirring one another up? Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. And tender topic now. We gotta be careful, COVID has thrown this thing to a wreck. And there may be moments where things need to happen, where somebody is taking some time away, but in general, we need to make sure we're going after a gathering together, right? He says, not neglecting to meet together. That word neglect is big. It means the separating away, the not having anything to do with for an extended period of time. Going after for an extended period of time, I'm not going to be around and not neglecting the meeting together, the getting together on Sundays and rallying, the getting together in impact groups, the getting together to serve. It's a huge deal. So can I just say it this way? If we're going to rally together, it's going to involve three things. Number one, it will be vertical. It is absolutely going to be about Jesus Christ or we're not rallying for the right thing. We are called out once. So we are called together to rally around the glory and the greatness of God himself. It will be vertical, right? And all of God's people said, and it will be horizontal. There will be a one another's in it. There will be a care for it and we will reach out and care along the way. Absolutely. To not neglect the meeting together, yes, vertical, yes, horizontal, yes, one another's in it. And then the third one, and it will be about complete discipleship. You heard me mention it for the new members that were being accepted here today. Complete discipleship, one who worships on fire in the church, going after it, walks, being able to be a part of impact groups and growing to look more like Christ, works, serving within the church and ready to make God get the glory as you care for others that way, serving within the church and witness sharing of Jesus Christ outside. Man, not neglecting includes vertical and horizontal and complete discipleship along the way. This is a huge deal. So I'm gonna get a little bit tender now, all right? So man, we love the online service and for those of you who are joining online, we love you. 
and we care a ton about you and we long for you to be able to be able to be a part of worship as much as is possible. And for some, they need to be at home, whether it be injury or illness or other things going on, devastation, maybe a way on job or even like this week, so many, a way on vacation. And online works great for those connection points. And some of that may be short-lived or longer depending on what God's got in your life. But man, be careful because if online becomes nothing more than it's just easier for me, it's beginning to fade on the vertical, it's lost all the horizontal and there is no complete discipleship. So let's be super careful with it. Online, we love the ministry. We love what it can do. We love how it can welcome so many in on so many fronts with whatever's going on in life. Just don't let it take over and all of a sudden become the way of neglecting the meeting together. And all of God's people said, all right, huge call out. Online opportunity is a massive privilege and we love doing it and we will continue to do it. And we just long that it gets managed in a way that honors God and cares for others. May God get all the glory, okay? He says, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. In other words, and all the more as you see Russia attacking the Ukraine and the economy collapsing in various ways and interest rates skyrocketing and people beginning to claim things that aren't even close to true about their biological body, but wanting it to feel true. And so they try to live it out. And the whole world is running amok. We're drawing near to the end. And all of God's people said, and so all the more reason to draw near, all the more reason to consider the following May we love one another and stir one another up to love and good works. May God get all the glory. Man, please hear me. 1 Corinthians 14 talks about the church on fire. And it talks about the believers rallying together. And as they are stirred together and cry out together, there is something that happens in the room. And as the Holy Spirit starts moving, it starts stirring us to be moved. And God begins to shape my heart. He does something with the collective group. That's why we're called the called out ones. The church, ecclesia, just means called out ones, rallied together for a purpose. He's like, let's continue to live that out. And all of God's people said, amen, man. So I'll say it one more time. We love what we got going on online and we're gonna continue it. We long to see it continue to thrive. For those of you online, we love having you online. Just be careful, don't let it go so far that it knocks out the vertical the horizontal, or the complete discipleship. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, are you ready to be his church? We are his church. Everybody just say, we are his church. We are his church. Say it louder, say it bigger. We are his church. May we draw near. May we hold fast. And may we stir one another up. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, let's pray.